Welcome into another episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your co-host Will Harib, joined by Jack and Joe Wilkie. As always, guys, we're we're back for another week. Got a got an exciting episode lined up for everybody today. But uh, real quick, there's been a pretty big event happening in the news, kind of on everybody's timeline, on every, on everybody's mind, and that would be the richest man in the world spending forty three billion dollars on a single asset. That is incredible to think about obviously talking about elon musk buying twitter it's what everybody's thinking about it's what everybody's talking about it's it's one of those things that you got to wonder in in 30 years is this going to be in you know i know it seems minor but is this going to be in people's history books you know this how big of a deal is this i guess is the question but any any reaction to that it was a, it was a pretty when the news broke what was it last tuesday last monday something like that it was you know people were talking about it for for days and it was just just kind of crazy what did you guys think whenever you first saw the news joe i think you texted both of us you know with the, with the news yeah i think that's a, an amazing midlife crisis um to go out <laughs> some guys some guys buy a corvette and he buys twitter for 43 billion dollars um i was blown away i like that's a lot of money and also for free speech advocates and things like that not to get into the political but i think it's it's an interesting dynamic to take something that i haven't been on twitter in a long time um I thought about it's kind of the wild west to me. I thought about getting back on and, and just seeing, but people are dropping like flies, seemingly. Uh, a lot of people that are upset with it. It's just it's fascinating. There's a lot. There's so many different aspects, not just the political, but um, just from a business point of view and and with their yeah their their entire board and and making money and everything else. It's I I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the entire thing. I Jack, think you're it's... actually. I was gonna say you both are on Twitter, right? Yes. Yes. No asterisk. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a lot bigger deal than some people realize, and I'm not going to get into all the political implications of that. But it, from a Christian perspective, it, we've talked about kind of coming persecution, the 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 trans thing we talked about, the, the genders, the things like that. The fact that there might be a space where you're able to still have discussions, still say certain things with free speech. Exciting. Because everything is going one direction, right? Facebook has all the gender options, and, and they'll delete people for saying certain things. Twitter has famously deleted people for using certain terms, certain names, you know, things, uh, talking about some of these things that we've talked about on this podcast that you're not allowed to say on Twitter. And so if, if that's the one stronghold of, of a place where you can go to have discussions, that's very valuable for the church uh, and, and something that we can make use of as well. And so um, I, I do think it has implications for, for Christians, for the church and all that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely going to be interesting to see where it goes. Before we get into today's episode, the only other interesting thing to note um, is if we come back next week and you sense kind of a, a tenseness going on between us three, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't know, not getting along super well. It's because of a certain playoff hockey series that is about to start here soon. I know a lot of our listeners probably don't care at all about playoff hockey, but uh, the two guys on here certainly care a lot, and I care a decent amount. Predators and against Avalanche uh, coming up here soon. Go Preds is all I have to say to that. So, uh, Good luck is all I have to say to that. <laughs> That's right. You guys can, su- can support the podcast by rooting for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we'll, we'll greatly appreciate that. 
just messing with you. There you go. Yes, yes, go go Preds. All right, guys. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and get to, get into today's episode. So this week we're we're kind of biting off a big section, uh, I guess, to a big topic to to go after because it's very all encompassing. Um, we were talking. We've talked about a lot of things. We at Focus Press have talked and written about things. Uh, these guys have preached on different things. We've we've in our study come over different issues that come up in the church. Um, youth unfaithfulness, uh, the dropout rate of, of young people leaving the church, member disengagement. You know the, the consumeristic Christianity. I wrote about in Church Reset, where people kind of come to church, they sit, and then they go home and they church hop for what they like, and and it's all it's kind of all about us. Uh, we talk about worldliness, about we watch the same shows, we listen to the same music, we're consumed by the same things, the things that matter to the world or what matter to us, and and, and those kind of things that plague the church and hold us back. Uh, a disconnection from each other that, as church not being the family that we're supposed to be. Um, a struggle with evangelism and, and really getting out and, and telling people about Jesus, inviting people, uh, those kinds of things. And, and you can just go down the, the list, throw out any pet issue if you ask anybody what's the biggest challenge facing the church right now or what uh uh what is what is the church not doing well right now and we think they all come back to the same thing and so before we get to that did you guys have anything to add to the to the list any well, comments we, or considerations we, we did an episode um recall a couple months ago about you know what are some of the biggest threats facing the church moving forward in the year 2022 and of course after that and a lot, Jack, a lot of those things that you just mentioned were on the list um, as, as far as the, the the consumeristic mindset that a lot of Christians have. Again, like you said, they come to church or they come to worship service based on how does it please them? What, what What's in it for them? Uh, the disconnect from each other we talked about in that episode, the lack of evangelism. I mean, everything that you mentioned, anybody you know who's observant can point to it and say, yeah, that's a problem. But what we want to do with today's episode is ask, okay, so we got the problem. What's the source of it? You know, obviously you you probably can't boil every single thing down to one thing, but a lot of this stuff that that we have uh, put out there before we went over in that episode several months ago boils down to to this issue um, of basically the idea of, well, do I have to, Uh, you know, do I have to, as opposed to what's going to please God the most Uh, you bring up worldliness, for instance. And typically when we, when we talk about worldliness, we're thinking about, you know, immoral TV shows, immoral music, immoral entertainment, that kind of thing. And the question that it always comes down to for a lot of people is, okay, are you saying that I have to not watch this show? Are you saying I have to do this or you have to do that? You know, the question, you know, well, can we bind it? We've asked that before time and time again. It kind of gives off an attitude of what's the bare minimum that I can do right. and still the be least. a Christian. Right. What, what's, the, what's the least amount that I can get by with? and still be a Christian, what's the closest that I can get to the line without actually crossing over it? Can I get two toes over it? Can I get half a foot? Can I get one foot over it to the point where, and I'll speak to the young people point for just a second. We got a lot of young people who, you know, forget one foot, they're completely in the world. Both feet, all of them are in the world. And I think this mindset from both young people and older people feeds that. Well, it speaks to, and I think we'll get into this a little more later, but it speaks to we care so much about heaven, getting to heaven, that we often forget that we have a life to live down here. And our goal is to be holy right now. We have eternal life in abundance, not so much quantity, but quality, right? As, as John points out. And with that being the case, what should that look like for us? And so when we have, when we're modeling for our kids this, well, can you bind it? 
right? When, when we have that approach, what we're basically saying is, will you send me to hell over it? Am I going to lose my, my place in heaven over what I'm doing right here instead of, man, in this present moment, what's the best I could possibly be doing? Uh, and so it throws everything off and we model for our kids that as long as heaven, you know, as long as you make it to heaven, then, then we're all good. And then anything that kind of toes the line of you may get thrown out of heaven for this, uh, we're not really sure. Instead of how close can I be to becoming like Christ? That's really our goal. Let, let's give some examples to this real quick. We, we put out a Think Fast video about prom, uh, goodness, weeks ago now. Uh, it should be in your podcast feed. If you haven't listened to it, there's a video on YouTube. And when we were talking about prom, we all kind of, not to spoil the video, but came out and said, not the best idea for young people. Don't really think any Christian young person has any business being there. But what's the question that a lot of people are going to ask whenever something like that gets put out there? Oh, so you're saying it's a sin? So is it a sin to go to prom? Can we bind it? Can you bind it? Can you bind it? Exactly. And so can you get, what are some other examples that you guys can think of, of, of stuff like that, where we can, we can acknowledge, look, it's not a good idea. It's something that we should avoid. It's something that we should stay away from, but people are still going to ask, well, is, is it technically, technically a sin? Like you said, Joe, is it going to keep me out of heaven? There's lots of stuff like that. Well, oh, we, we just had it with one. the Disney podcast, right? Okay. That or, one, or, uh, the Disney the, boycott, the Sunday night worship one. Do I, how many times do I have to come to church? Do I have to come to Wednesday night? Do I have to come to Sunday night? Um, modesty. I mean, any, any issue where any kind of controversy at all comes up about it, it's, do I have to? And, and I want to save the Romans 14 binding thing, um, for, for a little bit later, but I guess at the top here, the, the term we're going to use, the, the phrase we're going to use to, to capture this is just box checking. You can call it checklist Christianity, whatever else, um, it, the idea of there that God has given us kind of a list, and if you check off all those boxes, you're you're good, you're in good standing, you're gonna go to heaven, and and anything beyond that is up to you if you want to do it, but that's it, not really anybody else's business. Don't get into that with them. Um, you've checked your boxes; it's all okay, and it leads to a minimal thing. And the funny thing is, we kind of think number one that that's a a, a system of law, right? And we're not under a system right. of law, we're under a system of grace. But number two, even the old law wasn't about that. Because we have those verses about, you're not, it's not that God delights in sacrifice, it's it's the obedience. It's not that he, he wants these external things, it's that he wants our heart. And, and it's the right. same here of, we have the law of liberty, we're under grace and not under law. Those The, the verses in the New Testament that explain that, that doesn't mean there's not commandments and rules, but it means... It's not about keeping a list. It's not about going, what are all the things I have to do? And I think a lot of Christians approach that. And I I don't want to just blame Christians. This is something we, we take effort to, to do. It's not just their fault. I think that is preached to them a lot. That is right. what is prescribed to them a lot is Christianity. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. And we can go two ways of that. We can say... There's not that much that we can command, so it's a very short list of boxes to check, and that leads to a Christianity that just looks exactly like worldliness with maybe on very Sunday loose. mornings or at church. Very sure. loose. Right. Or the other direction is to know, well, no, God expects more from us than that, so to make everything a box that you have to check. Yes, it's a sin if you do this. Yes, it's a sin to do that. You're going to go to hell if you even think about you know doing this, that, or the other thing, and, and then that becomes burdensome, and we don't understand grace, the spirit, you know, the, the, the way we're supposed to walk, it's not box checking. It's giving our heart to God. And, and we, we brought that question out. Do I have to versus what pleases God the most? If you're asking that, you know, I want to please God. That's my goal. What does he want from me here? 
not does this check my box or is this a box I need to check? And so there's some verses where we want to get to some some discussions of different ones we want to talk about. Let's start let's start with Romans 12. We'll get us into that one. Sure. Um, so Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm just going to read it straight and then we'll, we'll go over it, discuss it. Paul writing, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We could get down into the, these two verses for the next you know, 20, 30 minutes. I, I want to pull real quick kind of two principles out of it and then kick it to these guys. The first one is obvious in uh, verse one, and that is that we as Christians are called to do what? Present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our bodies are not our own. We know that from First Corinthians 6, the, the fact that we're not just here to serve ourselves. We are here, again, according to this verse, our bodies are God's as a living sacrifice. And look at the next word after that, holy. That's a topic we're going to get into here in just a second, define, defining this idea of holiness. But that's really what this all boils down to. But uh, he says, I beseech you, therefore, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That's what we as Christians are supposed to do. And then obviously the, the verse right after that talks about the difference between being conformed to this world, you know, looking like this world, basically being a part of this world and all its immorality and all the things associated with it, as opposed to being transformed, as opposed to being a, a completely different individual, somebody who stands out, somebody who is, uh, again, just different than the world around them. Those are kind of the principles that are brought up here by Paul. Guys, what do you have to add to that as far as the things that we can take from these two verses that, that kind of battle against this check the box mentality that so many people have? Sure. That, that word holy means set apart, right? It goes right along with what you're talking about, transformed. God, when we say God is holy, it means he is nothing like us. He is completely set apart. And when he calls us to be holy, it means you are to be completely set apart from sin, from the world, from everything that that is not of God. And so, once again, we can conform ourselves to this world. We can look like them. We can try to look like them. Or we can say, I don't want to look anything like anything that's against God, right? Anything that's running away from God. And so what do we do? It's transforming us by the renewing of our mind. It's the mindset of, man, I, I want to be different. I want to chase God with everything I have and if and when that causes me to look different from the world, that's something to rejoice about. Um, instead of this friendship with the world idea, which is really, James talks about it, right? But that's that's conforming ourselves to the world, trying to mold ourselves around what they want us to be. Uh, Paul is, is, I think, using some pretty strong language to say, not at all. And of course, as we get later into chapter 12, just after this, he talks about um, some of the gifts that we've been given and using it for the betterment. But I also think, as you pointed out, Will, What's our goal as Christians? To be acceptable to God, not to anybody else, not to the world, not even to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If we're acceptable to God, we will be to them. If we're acceptable to God, we won't be to the world. That's a really good thing. So the other thing I want to emphasize in this verse before we move on is when he says your reasonable service and he's talking about sacrifice, he's talking about priestly work here, that we are all priests. First Peter gives us that we're this, this royal priesthood under God. We still have an Old Testament mindset about this as well, of we kind of think the the clergy, the the you know ministers, the staff, are kind of like priests in the church, right? And think about how weird it would be if a minister was incredibly worldly if he didn't show up you know if he was a sporadic attendant if he was um you know just had all of these things that we're talking about we'd think man that, that doesn't look right 
And yet we're all priests. We're all offering these sacrifices to God, which are ourselves, our way of living. And so priests were supposed to look different. They dressed differently. They they had a different way of life. And we're supposed to have that difference in ourselves as well. And, and that goes to this idea of holiness you guys brought up. First uh, Peter tells us we're to be holy uh for God is holy. We have we serve a holy God. We're supposed to be a holy people. That's what the law was all about, was setting Israel apart from the nations around them. God has called us to be different from the people all around us, to come out from the world to this this standard of higher living. You've, you, we've uh, talked quite a bit over the last uh, probably month or so in regards to this idea of being nice. Uh, the idea of being um, nice to the world, nice to those who are maybe living in sin, nice to the point that we're sacrificing doctrine and truth. Joe, you brought up something that, that I want to, I guess, ask you guys to elaborate on a little bit more in the sense that you said, hey, if we're being acceptable to God, the world is not going to like that. The world's going to hate us. And we know Jesus said that himself the night you know that he washed the disciples' feet. And John, I believe it's John chapter 15. Uh, he basically says, if, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before. You know, I think a lot of Christians have fooled themselves into thinking that, hey, the world, uh, you know, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, the world's going to like us. The world's going to be drawn to us. And we know from Scripture that is not the case. That, that's completely the opposite. And yet with this, with what we're talking about today, the idea of holiness, the idea of, again, just kind of checking the box or do I have to versus what pleases God the most, a lot of Christians don't have this mindset of striving for holiness because we're so busy trying to make sure that Joe, you said a second ago that we're friends with the world, that we're nice enough to those around us, that nobody's going to think that we're too judgmental, that we're too harsh. Speak to that for just a second kind of how much damage that does to, again, any, any idea of striving for holiness and striving to be more like Christ. What's lowest common denominator we've talked about, right? Um, we go to the, the, Basically, because we can't offend anybody, because we're trying to be nice, because we can't call anybody to a higher standard of holiness, a higher standard of living, because they might think we're not nice or might, you know, they might hate us or that might really turn them off from Christ, um, then we're not. And, and this is, in what you're saying, Will, what I think most Christians struggle with is if I'm not nice, then my evangelism goes out the window, Right. If I'm not nice to the world, if I'm not, if, if I stand out too much, then, then I well, can't not reach gonna, anyone. Right, right. exactly. I, I can't be um, all things to all men, as Paul talks about in Galatians 2. So that way, I, or, you know, therefore, I need to be as nice as possible and try to stay kind of in with, with them. So we have some things to talk about, some commonalities, and we don't stand too far because that's, there's awkwardness, right? When you stand out like a sore thumb because you clearly look different, that's really awkward. And we don't want to do that because we can't win people to Christ. So, Jack, I'm actually, that doesn't really answer the question. I want to kick that to you. How do we balance, and, and what are your thoughts on the idea of, hey, we need to be holy, but if we're almost like if we're too set apart, then we're too weird for the world, and, and that will cause our evangelism to, and I don't know that people are consciously thinking this, I'll say that. I do think that's kind of a subconscious thought, is if we stand out too much, or if I don't do anything, if I if I don't go to the same movies or whatever else that... I might be too weird for them. It's the it's and, the idea of let's stay as close to the line as we can. Exactly. And I want to make sure that they see me as nice and they see me as a friend. And, and then we're going to kind of like friend them into Jesus. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It is a delicate balance. And of course, the thing somebody's always going to run to is Jesus hung out with sinners. He did. Right. But he didn't ever sin with them. 
He didn't join them. He made it clear that he loved them, but that he was also bringing truth and he was bringing, uh, you know, something that they really needed to their situation. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, these interactions that he has. And he was there for a purpose. Yeah. He wasn't there just to hang out and have a good time with him. Right. right. And I, I think that's one of the other things, you know, the, the friendship evangelism model. There's, there's some good success to it and all that. But on the other hand, it can just become too friendly to not ever offend, not ever, you know, make that push, to not ever really give the gospel to somebody. The gospel, you know, right. as I, I said this at a, a Bible study a couple of weeks ago, that we cannot hit people over the head with the truth, right? That doesn't, you know, First Corinthians 13, you're a clanging symbol. If, if you come in and you're just hammering people with the truth, that's no good. On the other hand, the truth is a sword, and if they're never cut, they're never going to be saved. And so it's got to it's got to hurt them at some point. It's got to step on their toes at some point without bashing them over the head. And so that that is the balance of, you know, we talk about in the world, not of the world. And, and all of those kinds of phrases about maintaining our holiness. We can't we're not monks. We're not going to a monastery away from the world because they're right. unholy. But on the other hand, if we're not different, why, what are we calling anybody to? I remember hearing something about some celebrity Christians who were evangelizing people and or this, this person and the guy said, you know, when I look at church and I look at Christians, it's it's just always been, you know, something I didn't think I could do. But when I look at you guys, you guys are just like me. You guys drink, you guys cuss, you guys you know, do all this. I figure, you know, but but you love Jesus. And so I can do that. And like, wow. wow. You know, like right. where, wow. where in that is the word holiness? Um it's it's not there, and so uh, and I I, I want to make one other point here is when you get this holy living, you think, man, you the world is going to look up and be like, I can't reach that kind of that what that guy's saying, I, I can't attain to that. We can't either. This isn't right. us, and that's the gospel we have to tell people is I'm not better than you. I it's I'm not a Pharisee looking down and oh wow the the unwashed masses. I I am who I am by the grace of God. He has made me into this this new thing, and He can do the same for you. You know, He He does this for all of us. And so, you know, if if it's nothing different, and we're saying, yeah, God saved me, and God made me what I am, and what I am is exactly the same as everybody else, that's no good. Let me ask this because we're going to get to to Romans fourteen here in just a second, and the whole idea of binding and, and kind of what we started out discussing. Talk about holiness. And again, that's kind of the word that is the central foundation of this whole discussion. The fact that we have a lot of people that aren't really striving for that. And as I've said before, I work with a lot of young people and that is something that I try to heavily emphasize with them is, Hey, holiness is something that doesn't just come by osmosis. You've got to be striving for it. You've got to be, you know, studying the pages of God's word daily to try to attain it. But let me ask you guys this, and, and maybe you guys have had a different experience than me. And I'm again, generalizing here, I completely understand it. We don't hear a lot of sermons. We don't hear a lot of classes on holiness on, on two fronts. One, I, I could count maybe on two or three fingers the amount of sermons I've ever heard on the holiness of God. I've heard two or three hundred on the love of God, the grace of God. You know, of course, we should be discussing those things, but you don't hear near as much about the holiness of God. And then on the flip side, you also don't hear a lot of sermons, lessons about how to, or the fact that we as Christians need to be holy, that we need to be striving for holiness and not just that we need to, but what that means, what that looks like, putting that into to modern day terms for us. I want to ask you guys, one, why do you think that is, that that is a, kind of a, a topic? And again, maybe you guys have a different uh, experience than me, but why is that a topic that we seem to shy away from? And then two, 
how can we move towards that? How can we move toward making, and again, I've been kind of isolating young people, but, but all, people of all ages to understand that holiness is a lifestyle. It's an attitude that as Jack just said, you know, we don't get to boast or brag about it, but it's something that we need to be striving for daily. So kind of a two-part question there. So as far as why we don't, I think there's a lot of uh, gray area in holiness, right? Jack had alluded to this earlier of like without the check box of, hey, do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. Uh, there's a lot of gray area. And I think we're very uncomfortable in the gray area because we just want to know whether we're going to heaven, right? That's all we really want to know. And it's not so much about pleasing God. It's about, um, again, and, and I had talked about that earlier, but I think the gray area scares us quite a bit. Sure. So we want to make everything black and white. Uh, so we don't talk about the holiness because inherent in holiness is a discussion on topics like what we just talked about. Should Christians go to prom or, or should, should we, you know, can we bind um, Sunday night worship? And, and so we ask the wrong questions, but if we get into gray area and we're, you know, we come out on the wrong side and we go, wow, are we going to hell? There's more nuance to that. It's more of that. Again, that's the wrong question to ask, but I think we shy away from those discussions as far as why we don't with God. That's a really good question. Um, I actually did. I was thinking, as you said, well, we don't know. I was thinking, man, I just preached on Amos actually. And it is the holiness of God um, is one of the key themes in the book. And I think we don't fully know how to define. We know it's set apart. We know God is set apart sure. from us. Um, I don't know that we know exactly what that means. And what I tried to explain to people with sin is like, you know, James talks about God can't tempt anybody to sin, right? God can't tempt anybody to sin because that's that's leading people away from him. He is the exact opposite. Sin is is a um that's an absence of God, right? So it's not like God is just a really good guy and sin is is really bad. No, God is good, meaning anything apart from him is bad. So he can't call somebody to bad or somebody to sin. That starts to understand holiness a little bit of like God is holiness. It's not holy as though he's setting himself. He's just choosing to set himself like he is completely set apart. That's his nature. But there's a, once again, it's more of a nuanced discussion of what does that look like? And I think we're a little bit afraid to get into um, things that we can't fully speak to. This is why we avoid revelation. This is why we avoid the latter half of Daniel, things like that, because we can't fully understand it sure, um, and, and quantify it. And so I think there's that aspect as well, but I don't know. That's a really good question. Jack, what are your thoughts? I I know we have some people who are not in the spit out the bones camp. Uh, I, I am, that you can read books that you don't agree with everything and, and throw out the stuff you don't like. If you are in that camp and, and like reading things and, and can spit out Calvinism and things like that, R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God is a masterpiece Fantastic on it. It, it, yep. it really captures the importance of the holiness of God. He points out that it, you know, God is love, God is true, God is all all kinds of qualities, but at no point does it say three times that repetition, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is kind of his defining characteristic and that his love is holy love. His, you know, everything about him, his justice is holy justice. And so when we say we serve a holy God, you look at the encounters with God in the Old Testament. Moses, you can't see my face. Isaiah, you know, I am unclean, falling, and terrified. Woe is me. Yeah, right? woe is me. Yeah. And, and any time somebody came into his presence, in, in any form at all, you know, when Abraham realized he had been with the angel of the Lord and all that, I mean, just, it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm unworthy. I, I don't belong here. I'm not part of this. I'm not on the same level as you. This, this is just wrong for me to even be around you. And it's true. 
because we are sinful people. Uh, you know, Isaiah, I'm an unclean man. And, and so we are so unholy to God's holiness that he had to come to us in Jesus and, and bring us back to him in holiness. And so that's what we do. We draw back to him. Hebrews talks about he's our high priest. You know, he's uh, that we can with confidence draw near before God. In the Old Testament, everybody was terrified to go before God. We can go into his throne room with confidence because of Jesus. And and so that's that drawing near, that holiness, that getting closer to God. He's away and separate and cut above everything else. And he's drawing us toward that as well. And man, you think this going back to the check the box mentality. I go on Sunday, read my Bible every now and then, try not to do anything mean give a little bit to charity, eh, that, about, that about covers it. I think I'm going to go to heaven. Um, nobody thinks that way. Nobody verbalizes right. that, but a lot of people act that way. Well, you know, and, and, right. and again, I, I don't want to just hammer the people. A lot of times that's what's prescribed as Christianity. Participate in a few things. Try not to be a real bad person. You'll go to heaven. We should, every member of the church, you know, first to last, newest Christian to oldest Christian should be on this journey closer to the throne of God. And the more you get there, the more different you, you are. We've been called to more. And it is a, that's a truth that, again, I don't think is discussed very much. Like, God has really high expectations of his people. And, you know, at the that's same what time. That's apart means. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time. He realizes we're sinful and we can't do it. And that's the point of Christ. That's why I sent Christ, right? But like, we've been called to so much more than just the bare minimum to, to the lowest common denominator, right? To the, um, let's just squeak by. And it's, it, you think about a parent in parenting, which parent would you rather have? Somebody who is, is full of love and grace and compassion, but also has really high expectations for, I know you can do amazing. You know, I know you can you can strive for greatness, right? He puts us in, has, we have dominion over everything, right? From the very beginning. Like he gives us so much growth opportunity because the bar is set high. Or do you want the parent who's basically, he, they're all love, but whatever, honey, right? You you can do whatever you want to do. Do your best. And yeah. do your best. And, you know, all you got to do is just step over the bar that's on the ground. Which would you rather serve? Now, some people would rather go, man, I'd rather just be able to step over the bar on the ground. That's That's a lot easier. But we all know, the loving parent is the one that says, you've been called to more. You can achieve greatness and I'm going to help you every step of the way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I will die for you to give you this opportunity. Which would you rather have? This isn't difficult. Everybody would answer in, in the affirmative. Everybody would answer the, this correctly, but we wouldn't live it correctly. We would rather, if, if we're all being honest with ourselves, there are so many times where we would rather just take the parent where we could step over the bar on the ground and say, okay, it's all good. And this is, again, to your point, Jack, this is kind of what leaders and, and preachers and elders and such, a lot of times what they call their uh, their flock to. And again, we as as the followers and sometimes a sheep can say, okay, that sounds good. You know, I haven't really been called to that much more. God in his infinite love has called us to be holy. That is a very loving thing. That is not a God who hates you. That's not a God who's waiting to zap you if you're not. That is, I love you so much and I think the world of you and I sent my son to die for you. And at the end, that's what he gets. We are his inheritance, right? Uh, just amazing. And I think that's the the central point here. We have been called to more. And so when we when we're faced with a question like Sunday night worship, prom, whatever, ask what pleases God. What's going to please God more? What are what are you called to? Are you called to just do the bare minimum? Or are you called to called to be more? Let's get into Romans 14. We we kind of been hitting around it. Um, I'm gonna let one of these two guys kind of describe it. It's the we brought it up in the COVID episode. It's the idea of the stronger brother, weaker brother, and the fact that the weaker brother kind of has a a thinner uh, margin for sin, if you will, that they, they believe more passionately on certain things. The stronger brother says, you know, that's, that's really not a 
a salvation issue. But you think about a lot of these things that we brought up, modesty, uh, public schools, homeschool, Sunday night worship, TV shows, all these things. When somebody typically just runs to Romans 14 to say, well, that's a stronger brother, weaker brother thing, they're typically using that to say, well, that's that's all that's opinion as opposed to command. And what we want to talk about here is, okay, but what about striving for holiness? For instance, when we brought this up with the, the COVID episode, we were talking about the idea of masks and uh, you know vaccines and things and the stronger brother, weaker brother there. And I'm sorry, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask does not make you holy or less holy. It doesn't have really anything to do with holiness. However, you bring modesty into the discussion. You bring Sunday night worship into the discussion. To me, that is a separate thing from should we wear a mask or not? Because it has to do with asking what's going to please God more. What's more pleasing to God? What is more Christ-like the way I dress? What I choose to do with my kids when it comes to schooling them, public or homeschool? for worship, Wednesday night Bible classes, what's going to please God more. And so guys speak to that for just a second. Why, or I should say, what's the problem, I guess, with always running to Romans 14 and saying, well, that's a, that's a Romans 14 issue, command versus opinion. We can't bind, you know, our opinions. I think that does obviously qualify in certain instances like masks and vaccines and things like that. Not in other areas, not, not in all areas though, I should say. And I think that's what a lot of people typically try to do with this, with this stuff. This is something I, you know, I've been writing online for over a decade now, and I've been running into this from, from day one of you talk about something. Hey, I think this is, you know, there's good reason to believe that we as Christians should be doing X, Y, or Z. I mean, we got into this in our LGBT episode, so this is not a secret. I wrote a book on it, Failure. I think Christian parents, to the best of their ability, should be getting their kids out of the public schools and uh, into Christian schools, into homeschooling, whatever else. And if you can't do that, like, take as much activism as you can. I've been advocating that. And, man, anytime I say that, there's always the hand that goes up. You can't bind that. You can't bind that. Which just means it's not a sin. You can't command parents that they have to do this. And, And really what they're trying to say is... Let's not talk about it. You can't prescribe. Not One way is not better than another. Um, that's ridiculous. We are not that simplistic because the problem is it reduces everything in the Bible down to either command or opinion. And if it's a command, I have to do it. And if it's not, I don't have to do it. Well, that's a form of legalism in itself. It's box checking, right? there's not a command that I have to, you know, guard what my family watches on TV. There's no command that says I can't watch Game of Thrones. Like, well, there's no command that says you can't watch porn either. But I mean, like you can extrapolate from lusting from a woman and they've got naked people on Game of Thrones. So, but we'll get there, but you can't bind that. You can't bind that. And it's, it's so frustrating in that that comes out when Christians are having conversations about how to be holier. How to be different. What is the best way to please God? What's the best way to become what he wants us to be, to accomplish the commandments that he's given us? And we can debate on that. Again, it's it's not set in stone, locked in commandment, but what we cater to is a that lowest common denominator thing of bare minimum Christianity. And and as soon as you start doing the, well, you can't bind that, it's it's just your opinion. Well, it's it's not a command but it's also a lot more than just an opinion because there is all this scriptural precedent behind it. It's a principled push from what God has to say, and there's a bunch of things on which that is is just the the standard shield that somebody throws out. You can't bind that, therefore I don't have to. We got to think bigger than that. I want to read Romans 14 for those that you know we're throwing it around. Uh, you you hear that often. I want to read just the first ten verses to kind of give an understanding of. What's going on here? You hear it a lot, um, and and just the heading in this in the Bible that I'm using, principles of conscience. 
Uh, verse one. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith. Hang on, Joe, not- I'm sorry. Are you reading from the 1995 NASB edition? Just want to make of sure. course, yes. The okay, uh, okay. the inspired version. The doctor um, Danny gotcha. Petrillo okay. endorsed. Doctor, yeah. That's right. <laughs> doctor Petrillo endorsed. That's gotcha. Just I'm talking make about. Sure. Sorry. Oh yeah. Well, I I wouldn't use anything else. I you know that'd be uh, I could bind that. Can you bind that though? Yeah. Can you bind that? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> so verse one. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. There's a lot of gray area going on here. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Uh, that is a, a a fantastic passage that it, once again, well, to your point, if we don't preach the holiness of God, when's the last time you heard a Romans 14 sermon uh, that really broke this down? We don't want to get into it, but what are some things that we can take from that passage? Um, <clears throat> things that we've been discussing, obviously, but it continues to come back to, hey, you're the Lord's. We're observing it for the Lord. We're, we're living for Christ, right? Um, we're going to be judged by the Lord. So there is a, or by God at the end, um, will stand before the judgment seat of God. So from an individual perspective, it's, are you doing, again, living according to your conscience? This is James 4, 17. To him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. So there's a lot of conscience aspect uh, here. And what does it go to? You have to be judged by God. Stop judging one another as to who's right and who's wrong, as much as, especially with opinion, as much as, can I stand before God and feel justified and know that I, I have done the right thing? That way we can differ on some of these opinions, but this goes to, that's that's calling us to something greater. It's calling everyone to something greater. And if somebody doesn't feel as called in one area, especially a matter of opinion, okay, they got to stand before God and, and, you know. It also, it makes the assumption that we're all trying to please God in that way. Cor- and, correct. And, if, and we're, if I'm trying to please God and you're trying to please God and we come to different conclusions, okay, don't judge each other. But what this, the, the you can't bind that defense is, is not, is basically like, this has nothing to do with pleasing God. I can do what I want on this. And and it, it does not come from somebody who has developed a robust, you know, studied all the facts and come to it and says, I think this is what God wants me to do. It's the person doing what they want to do and telling me, you can't tell me to do otherwise, is right. is how this comes out in, in a lot of different cases. That's exactly the point. Uh, you said it perfectly of trying to get to. Every, this is assuming everyone's giving it their best. Everyone is trying to be as holy as possible. We may come to different conclusions on that. For the guy that's, and this is what we see, the guy doesn't try at all. Well, can you bind that? That's not what I'm seeing in Romans 14. I don't see somebody who just goes, ah, whatever. I'll do what I want to do. It's, I believe this is right for me. You believe that's right for you. It is a matter of conscience, but we're both appealing to God in the in the same way. Um, not, again, well, the lowest common denominator. And that that's the overall point here. Take any issue that we brought up. Modesty. What's going to please God more? It's not a, well, does this check the, the, the box of, of, of what I have to do as opposed to, again, what pleases God more? With the schooling that Jack brought up, with Sunday night worship, you know, in, you, know you can make an argument that you know, going to worship 
one time on Sundays, Sunday morning, it's fine. Sure, you can make that argument. But what's going to please God more? What, what's something that's going to you know, help you in your, in your journey, in your uh, pursuit of holiness one time a week? And it's just this, this whole mindset of rather than asking, well, do I have to? Is it something that, you know, can I, can, can you bind it? As we talked about here with Romans 14, it's the, the attitude of holiness, the question of what is going to please God more? What's going to make me more like Christ? Because what is the purpose of Christianity? Like, what right. is the and purpose? That, we have to ask ourselves, why am I a Christian? What is, if God laid this plan out from the found before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4, clearly he had a purpose for it. And what is that purpose? Is it not to wear the name of Christ, right? To, to take up our cross daily and to die for him. Um, and Will, I think we were talking off air a little bit about that. I want you to speak more to that, of sure. this idea of dying to self um, and, and how that translates into what does that actually tangibly mean for us as Christians? So... We've actually, and I'm going to read from Matthew 16 here in just a second. Um, we, we sort of already touched on it when we brought up Romans 12, verse 1, the fact that we are to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Um, obviously, that's talking kind of in priestly terms, but I think, and I'm about to read it here in Matthew 16, there is a, an aspect of our Christianity that we have to sacrifice something. We have to give up something. And what we are sacrificing, what we're giving up is living for ourselves, is pursuing our own fleshly desires. That's what the, the idea of putting yourself to death. I'm going to read Matthew 16, um, starting verse 24 from the New King James Version. Hope that's acceptable for these, these two guys. Um, this, this, yeah, exactly. But uh, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Three, three steps there. You know, we kind of like lists. Jesus gives a list there. Three things have to happen. One, we have to deny ourselves. That's usually the step that's the hardest to follow. Um, you know, the fact that we, we want to pursue our own desires. We want to do what we want to do. Jesus says, no, you got to deny yourself. You got to, to put yourself to death, take up your cross. We could get, we could go for 30 minutes on what that means, but it's the idea of, of being ready to sacrifice everything for Christ. When Jesus took up his cross, he, he, he was sacrificing himself for us. The, the, and, and again, when he said this, this was before that happened. We as Christians have to do the same. We have to give, be willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ. And then follow me is the third thing. Both the first two things have to be done before you can follow Christ. You can't skip past steps one and two and say, well, I'm just going to follow Christ, but I don't really have any interest in denying myself or taking up my cross. No, Jesus says, first, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. Again, no skipping straight to step three. And it's so interesting. I'll, I'll kick it to you guys here in just a second. That this particular passage from Jesus that or, or saying from Jesus that we all know super well comes right after Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him, uh, you know, corrects him and says, you know, Jesus had predicted that he was going to die. And I was talking about that. And Jesus or Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, that's never going to happen to you. Far be it from you. That's not going to happen. And Jesus, that's when he says, get behind me, Satan, certainly not Peter's finest moment, but he says, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And that's what leads into the section of, Hey, deny yourself, take up your cross, be mindful of the things of God. And I think that Verse, the end of verse 23 of Matthew 16 could be something that a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian leadership needs to preach more. We need to be mindful of the things of God rather than the things of men. But this idea, speak to that for just a second for both of you, this idea of denying yourself, taking up your cross as prerequisites to following Christ. We don't just get to say, I'm going to follow Christ, but I'm not going to do the other two. They're prerequisites. Right. This is something I get into in Church Reset of how 
badly the point of Christianity has been missed. We think it's, you know, being a nicer person, being a better person. We think it's, even as I make the point in the book, and and I don't know if you guys agree with me on this or not, but I'm going to throw it out here. The point of Christianity is not getting to heaven. The point of Christianity is becoming Christ-like, because Christ-like people go to heaven, but Christ-like people also enjoy the presence of God here. It's not right. just a delayed, you know, uh, gratification. It's right now we're, we're being made more like Christ. Justification and sanctification. And uh, you've got verses that back this up. Romans eight twenty eight. everyone, you know, is very familiar with, or a lot of people familiar with, that God works all things together for good to those who love him, but it says those who are called according to his purpose, and then it gives us his purpose, to be conformed to the image of Christ his Son. Colossians 1 says the same thing. Galatians 4 says, you know, Paul says, I'm laboring until I see Christ formed in you. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. All of these verses pointing to we die, we become more like Jesus every day. We follow his footsteps, as, as Will was just bringing up with bring, taking up our cross. That's what Christianity is about. And when you've got pews full of people thinking, if I check these boxes, I go to heaven and job well, that like that's it. I've done, you know, that that's what I'm here for. Um, or if I do these things, I'll be a better person. I'll be a happier person. You know, some people even think, you know, if I do these things, I'll get richer. You know, like I'll, I'll have this favor as, as they talk about with me everywhere I go. All of these things miss the point, which is, nearness to God, because that's the reward of all of this, is the closeness to God, and you can't be close to God unless you are like Christ, who is perfect in our stead, and so, um, as we die to self, as we, we give up these things, as we stop having this thing that says, I can do what I want, you can't tell me otherwise, you can't bind on me any anything more than this bare minimum set of boxes, because those are the boxes I've been given, we start growing, and we start realizing, man, I gotta give up everything for him, and, and let him do with it what he will. I want to get into something else we, we wanted to highlight of how did we get here? How does this mindset get developed into Christians? And I think almost everything we do drills it into people's minds. Um, starting with how we're saved. Uh, you've got the five steps of salvation, or sometimes called the six steps of salvation. And all of those things are biblical concepts. But when you lay it out that way, what is it? The checklist. Box, yeah, checklist. It's a checklist. Box All checking. right, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I'm saved. And then, of course, we add, you know, and be faithful unto death is, is the sixth step because we also realize you're not done when you're baptized. The five steps are great, but there, there's more. But that's kind of ambiguous, you know, and, and so... Again, all of those are biblical concepts, but it's not a checklist because repentance isn't something you do once. Believing is not something you do once. The only thing in there that you do once is the baptism. Everything right. else is a, a lifestyle that you are adopting and living out every single day. But, you know, when you see it depicted as a, st a set of stairs, when you walk up the stairs, you can't be on all the stairs at the same time. You don't stay on the stairs. You move past them. We don't move past these things. These are these are part of our lives from from here forevermore, and and so the, that checklist mentality I think starts us off on the wrong foot. But there's more to it. I, I'll let you guys get into it as well. Well, we do it with the acts of worship as well, and, and that's something that somebody who's grown up in the Church of Christ my entire life, we're real good at these checklists. We're real good. You know, do we have the five acts of worship? Let's make sure and, and check those boxes off. You, you talk to a class of young people, and you say, Hey, can you tell me the five steps of salvation? Yeah, they can do it. Can you tell me the five acts of worship? Yeah, they can do it. You go any beyond that, and, and I'm, I'm not going to just pick on young people. Take your average adult class. If you go beyond that and say, okay, how do we know those are acts of worship? Why, are, why would we consider those acts of worship? How do you personally consider that 
worship. You ask any question deeper than the surface level, hey, give me the checklist. A lot of you're going to get a lot of blank stares from a lot of people, a lot of crickets, because people don't know, because all we've done. And again, this this is more of a criticism on the I guess you might say the leadership uh, in congregations, the, the sermons we've heard, the lessons we've been taught. We give we, we, we teach the list. We say, here's the list. Memorize the list. If you're really, really good, memorize the scripture references for the list. But then you're good to go. You know, again, that, that, that's the, if you want a gold star, memorize the scripture references, and then you're good to go. We never go deeper. We never talk about sanctification when it comes to being saved. We never, uh, again, the, the idea of remaining faithful, what does that mean? You, you don't just get to say, okay, yeah, remain faithful. That's the sixth step. Check that and you're good. We, we do this a lot is I guess the bottom line. And, and especially within the church of Christ of let's make sure we have our five acts of worship, our six steps of salvation. And once we can check all those off, we can take the list away and, and, and throw it away. That's the mindset that a lot of Christians have. And that's the problem. All of these take thinking out of the equation. We don't need to think. Right. And the funny thing about this is we're legalists at heart. All humans are legalists at heart, right? Give me the law. I'll keep the law. I'm a good person because I kept the law. I did the things. I checked the boxes. I, I did these things. It's the same thing the Pharisees were dealing with. It's the same thing in the Old Testament where they were saying, we still went to the temple and offered our sacrifices. And God's like, you're offering me garbage. That doesn't count. Yeah. I don't care. You know, but, but boy, we checked our boxes because we're legalists. We all want a list. And you'll, you guys have probably heard, and, and we've come across, you know, at Focus Press, this attitude that Christians have, just give me a list. Tell me what I have to do. Tell me what I have to do. Yeah. Tell me what I have to do. And, and I don't want to come down too hard on those people, but you have to realize that is your law-keeping spirit that Jesus saved you from because you're not a good enough law-keeping person. And so... This this idea that we can take the thinking out of it for everybody and just reduce it down to here, do this here. I'm going to make it simple and and stupid, dumb it down for everybody to get to heaven. Raise the expectations. Really expect people to engage with their own worship, with their own salvation, with the concepts of repentance and justification and and of worship and and what the purpose of singing is, what the purpose of the Lord's Supper is, why we're doing these things that we're doing, rather than saying that we did them. There's safety in that, though, isn't there? In lists, there's safety in saying, "I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that." And okay, comfort, just, just give me my reward, right? Okay, just well, just and, give it to me, right? And when we go outside of that and we say, "But is there more that we could be doing?" Hold on a second, hold on. How do I know that I've done enough? That's not the point to know you've done enough, but we get out of safety. Well, and let me, you know, defend it at least to some extent. Think about all other areas of our life, and you know the way that lists might help us. You know, you go to your job. Typically, most people have a list. They have an agenda. They have things that they have to get done. And, you know, you, you, the, the things that you have to do around your house, there's, there's a list. There's things you have to get done. Schoolwork, you know, there's a list. There's things that you absolutely have to get done. There's an agenda. And so in all other areas of our lives, that list mindset, that's let me check that off. Let me get that done. It works, right? You, if you go to your job and you check off your list in, you know, in, in eight hours, then you did it. So uh, again, uh, that's not to excuse anybody, but I think it is somewhat understandable that, you know, human beings are kind of list minded. We kind of want to, to check off things. We want to get them out of the way, but we have to be very careful about taking what might work in academics, what might work around the house, what might work at our career, at our job and applying that to our Christianity, because it is so much deeper than just a checklist. It is interesting though. Who are the, who are the people that move up in their jobs? Those who go outside the checklist and they say, right, let me think about how to be better at this. Let me think about how to do more. And they go, wow, this young man is, uh, or young woman is, is really, 
Um, a go-getter. Yeah, they're a go-getter because they're thinking outside the box. Think about your wife. Well, I gave you flowers. I gave you chocolates. I did what I was supposed to do. I kind of checked off the list. No, the person who's really in love is the guy who is thinking about his wife and, and the wife is thinking about her husband. We recognize, as, as good as we are at list keeping, we recognize the importance of the heart. Because I think, again, that's kind of us carrying the image of God. We understand that the heart is what's important. But isn't it interesting, even on the five steps, the six steps of salvation, what is that last one? You referenced it. Remain faithful, stay faithful. Don't you just get this, like the picture I get in my mind is the kid that's on the monkey bars and he's just holding on for dear life. Like if I can just hold on long enough for my parent to come underneath me so I don't fall. And that's kind of what Revelation 2.10, the verse associated with that is about. Be faithful unto death is... Hang on until they kill you, because right. persecution is Three coming. Tribulation, yeah, yeah you sure. know, of like hold on, hold fast, make it through, and, but and so in that, I mean, not in, that everyone's using it that way, but like that's where the source is actually talking about, kind of. Yeah, exactly. But in that, look at 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 the seven letters, right, to the churches. That is calling us to so much more. The Ephesian church is technically doing everything right, but you lost your, you left your first love, right? So he's calling them to something greater in that. Why wouldn't the sixth step of salvation, if we're going to do it, why wouldn't it be bear fruit? Why wouldn't it be become holy, be more sanctified, you know, be sanctified? We don't have it as that. It's remain faithful because the goal, it goes back to your point, Jack. Most people look at Christianity, their number one goal is just to get to heaven and try to take as many people as with us. That's not bad, but there is that aspect of like, let me just hold on and white knuckle this thing until the end. And then if I can just, when I'm 85, if I held on, just squeaked across the line. Like if, if you love, and I've said it before, if you love being in the presence of God now, if you love glorifying God now, man, heaven is all for you. If you don't really love glorifying God, but you're just trying to do the right thing, why would you enjoy heaven? What, what appeal is there other than, well, I'm not burning in hell. Do you want to be near God? Well, if you want to be near God in heaven, why wouldn't you want to be near God on earth, right? The idea of the monkey bar, I, I think it's a good analogy, Joe, is because somebody that's hanging on monkey bars is not going anywhere. They're staying right. in the same place. And it's the same thing with the stair steps of salvation the idea. Okay, I got to the top. I don't need to go up any farther. That's not what being a Christian is about. You know, we've got a few minutes left. want to talk about bearing fruit real quick because we've discussed this on previous episodes as well. That's the true mark of what being a Christian is. John 15, the true mark of, of being connected to the vine, which is Jesus, us as branches, is are we bearing fruit? And there in John 15, it, it tells us God's role as the vine dresser is to prune those who is, is to cut away the branches that are not bearing fruit. And so the implication is, Hey, there might be some, 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 people that are in Christ, John 15 branches in me that are not bearing fruit. What does the vine dresser do? What does God do? He takes those and he casts those into the fire. And so that's the true mark of what it means to be a Christian is, are you bearing fruit? Not have you reached the top level of the, the salvation stairs? Not, are you hanging on to the monkey bars for dear life just until you die so you can get to heaven? But are you bearing fruit? Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Christ? And again, to, to bring it all back around, and, and then I'll kick it to you guys for any final thoughts. That's what we need to get to as a mindset when it comes to your the the Christian that might not do any preaching or any teaching, but is, is coming to worship compared to also the person that is up there preaching. Teach this mindset of how can I bear fruit? How can I grow closer to God rather than let me just check my Christianity box. Let me come and mumble through some songs on Sunday morning. Check my singing box. Let me, you know, take the Lord's Supper real quick and, and again, check my box here. How are we growing? 
how are we bearing fruit? How, how are we growing closer to God? These are the questions that we want to encourage listeners to ask themselves. We want to encourage ministers and church leadership. Is this what you're calling your congregation to do? Is the, are these, is this the mindset you're teaching or is it a, Hey, do these five, six things and you're going to be good to go. I want to hit something quickly on on unity uh, because this has been I've been real big on this lately. I've been posting on Facebook. I've gotten some good feedback on it. The importance of creating an us. When we say us, what what is your church's us? Is it we are the people who gather together on Sunday morning? Okay. Well, how many things can we add to the us? Because the stronger that us becomes, the stronger we are as a church. We're the people who gather on Sunday morning and worship together. We're the people who get together and pray with each other. We're the people who are pursuing Christ-like families. You know, husbands, fathers, masculinity, femininity, uh, raising Christ-like children. That uh, we are the people who are evangelizing our community. We are the people who are like. What are all the the things that bring you together? If it's just that we're in the same room on Sunday, you don't have much unity. But the problem is, we live in this society that thinks the most loving thing we can do is keep lowering that bar, as we've talked about. You look right. at, like, a Army Ranger and Navy SEAL exams and stuff like that where, okay, well, we women can't meet the standard that men can bring, so we're going to bring the, the push-up and running, you know, the, the fitness requirements down for everybody, right? We're going to uh, make it to where as you know, more people can get in and lower that bar. You've seen like high schools have removed their advanced placement classes. The kids that achieve and get above, well, that makes the other kids feel bad. And so you're not allowed to achieve higher. You're not allowed. We're going to just bring it down to everybody. You, you know, in sports, the, you always hear the stuff about participation trophies that everybody gets a trophy, right. you know, like it's going to hurt somebody's feelings if somebody else does better than them. So you bring the overall production down. Right. And then you i mean the the it's it's a mile wide and an inch thick right you've got nothing to build on and so when jesus had that in john 6 i bring this up all the time because it's so informative for modern church jesus had 5000 people they all wanted to make him king they were really excited about him and he said you're just here cuz i gave you bread go home like jesus was not well, if, if I call them to holier living and only 12 of them stick around, they're all going to feel bad. So I'm, gonna not gonna, I'm not going to do that. No, he said, I need holy people who are dedicated to this message. And Peter says, you've got words of eternal life. That's why we're here. Jesus says, that's all I need. That's, those are the people I want, are the people who are here for the right reason. We think more people in the church building is better. No. More holy people in the church building is better. And if we keep lowering this bar, our us remains people who have, you know, some loose connection to the church, not people who are running after Jesus with all their might. And if you've got 10 people who are running after Jesus with all their might, you can change the world. If you've got 5,000 people who are there for a free meal, you got nothing. And, and Jesus understood that. We would do better to understand that. And this check-the-box mentality, this bare minimum, let's not hurt feelings, let's not make this difficult on anybody, Christianity is killing us. I'd add I to know. that, but I, any, yeah. Any better, any better way to sum that up? I'm going to yeah. let that wrap up. So, yeah, I just, yeah. I, get ro- I got no, rolling because this, this is so, I, 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 I can't get off this idea of an us. But to be an us, you have to have something. You have right, to have right. something more. You know, if, if if a family is nothing more than a last name, if they don't relate to each other at all, if they don't like each other It's not much of a family. It's not much of a family. They might get together for Thanksgiving. That's it. They're not going to talk. You've got They're not to be care, willing. You know? You've got to be willing to lose people along the way. Jesus yeah. could have had a mega church and moved to California and been a bazillionaire, you know, with the 5,000 men. I mean, there are probably over 10,000 people there. Yeah. Easily and could have. Almost children. definitely. Yeah. With, yeah, almost definitely with women and children. And... 
that didn't matter because think about what was in the upper room. Maybe what, 40? I think 40 of them gathered in the upper room at Acts 1 as they go out and change the world from there. You know, in Acts 17, so in Acts 1, we have them meeting in the upper room, Jesus' ascension right there, right? They're choosing the next apostle to replace Judas. Acts 17, they're turning the world upside down. That's a few short years, and the entire world had forever changed because of the work of really 12 men, you know, 11, 12 men, um, and and a few of their followers. I love the saying that that. the closer you get to the cross, the fewer people there are. And you see that throughout Mm, his ministry. Fewer and fewer, more and more fall away, and even the apostles. But, you know, when they come back around and, and after the resurrection, you're right, there's not many people there, but boy, it doesn't take many. Look at the story of Gideon, you know, down to the 300. I mean, it's it's all throughout the Bible of it's God's presence that matters. And and that's what this getting out of the check the box thing is, is stop worrying about our own strength. Because check the box is about catering to our own strengths and the lowest common denominator. At our best, we can't do that much. And so it's always going to be a low bar. How about we raise the bar to where the only way we can hit it is if we're relying on God. Very well said, Jack uh, and Joe, both. Uh, And that, again, that's the bottom line here is understanding that we are called to so much more. We we don't have a a bar that is just on the ground that we're inviting people to step over. No, we're raising the bar. Actually, God is raising the bar and we are called to, to reach that call to be holy, called to be holy as he is holy. Um, So really good thoughts Um, as always. Uh, if you're if you're listening to us and you have some thoughts and things, uh, other podcast episodes that you want to hear, hit up Jack's email, comment on any of our the, the Think Deeper podcast page, any of the posts that we have. Um, also, be looking for the uh, Think Fast videos. We are putting one out a week. They should be showing up in your podcast feed. They should be. It should start with the word fast, and then the episode title. You'll see they're usually 15 to 20 minutes, not near as long as these. But uh, be looking for those. Those are things that we, we hit topics quickly, quick reaction type of things like we've mentioned about prom, the Disney boycott and uh, pronouns are the kind of the ones we've hit uh, so far. So those will be, be going up on those. Fridays. Um, if you want to get them sooner, go to YouTube, but uh, the, they'll be hitting your podcast feeds on Fridays. Yep. There you go. And as we as we uh, have said before, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. But guys, unless there's anything else that you have to add, that will wrap us up for this episode of Think Deeper. Think Deeper.